And now Pastor Rick continues the Chasing God series with a message on the sanctuary. Good morning. How's everyone? I'm going to get right to it this morning, okay? We've been two weeks already into uh, our Chasing God series, talking about the temple. And so now today we're finally at the temple. Uh, I need to say this, though. The reason I want to jump into this real quick because uh, I need to go ahead and start reminding you of some things. And we're going to take a little bit of time here because it's going to be a little bit of an intro before we get to prayer is that we need to remember where we are. Okay, we're at, we're at the door, and I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid some people are going to say, oh, good, you know, we just walk in. You don't just walk in. That's what we've been dealing with the first two weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about our approach to God. And sometimes we just kind of, we just kind of show up at church. You know, I, we've had people do that. We've had people become great members of churches in pa- uh, that we've pastored in the past that just kind of showed up. Uh, I remember one family that, that said they were looking for a home church, and they pulled up in a parking lot, and they... they Turned off the ignition, and God spoke to him. Said, "This isn't it." They cranked up the car, came around the corner, and pulled in. So we walked in the door, and we heard this song, and they, they mentioned a specific song, specific words, and they said, "We knew immediately this was the place." And they just showed up, and that may be the way a lot of us come to church. But eventually, God wants us to grow up. So come on, somebody say Amen. We need to grow up and not just show up anymore. We we're supposed to be spending time. You know, when they came to the temple, it wasn't thirty minutes getting ready to come to the temple. They took days. Sometimes, sometimes it took a week just getting to the temple because they lived so far away. And, you know, they didn't necessarily go to the temple every weekend like you and I come to church. But when they were going to their place of worship, when it was time to go to worship, it took, it took days. It took weeks sometimes. It was not just to, just to show up and, and, and hope everything. And so the, people were having to give thought to it every single day of their life when they were headed to the temple. And you and I sometimes, we come to church, we haven't given it one single moment's thought we just kind of show up and expect God to do something amazing and awesome. And that's a lot of reason he did. So if you didn't get that message, you need to go listen to the podcast two weeks ago, okay? And then last week we talked about it. We entered into the inner court, and you still, we're right there at the temple. I mean, we could see the temple doors, almost reach out and touch them. And so many people want to just run right on by, but there's a couple of places you got to stop there. There's the, uh, the, the altar of uh, sacrifice and which now represents the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for our life, you know, and how he poured out his blood and he, he allowed his body to be crucified. And you also got to stop at the labor for the washing, you know, and, and that's something we need to keep doing. We need to keep asking, God, keep, keep me clean. Don't let there be anything between me and you. And so you have to do those two things before you get to the temple door because if you run on past, if you try to run on into the temple without visiting the altar of sacrifice, you were under the penalty of death. I mean, you could be struck dead or they could take you outside and stone you because you're not supposed to go into the temple without passing by the altar of sacrifice and the blood. And so now, let's look. Book of Hebrews tells us, chapter 6, yes. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Okay, what's he saying? What Paul is saying here is he's saying, wait a minute, let's go on. You know, quit sitting here. Now, see, we got kind of two classes of people, I guess, in a lot of churches, and sometimes it's the same people, is that we don't give any thought, we just kind of show up. But then a lot of times people get to this place of, of the, the altar and the cleansing, and they just kind of camp out there, and they never go on any further. And we're so close into the temple. 
Just like, you remember the uh, pictures from last week? There's the altar and there's the laver, the place of sacrifice and the place of cleansing. And, and we come there and we're right there at the temple. I mean, it's so close you could, you know, reach out there and touch it. It's, it's just that close. But so many people just camp out right there and, and, and they don't move on up because they are just, you know, some of them just have that sin that, just every day they keep slipping in, you know, and, and, and all they can think of is, oh, I, I messed up. Oh, I, I just failed God again today. And just constantly, oh, some of, some people, you've got something in your past that you can't get over. And, you know, and so every day it's like, you know, you can't even think about what, what might be on the other side of these doors because all you can think about is this, you know, this thing that, uh, that's in, in, in your past that you can't get forgiveness over. You can't forgive yourself over. You just, you just can't go on. And so you just worry and worry and worry. And you never, you, you never can get, you can't even think about it. And let me tell you, this is, this is the place we've been needing to get to. Some of you need so desperately. Listen, I've been praying for you about this service today because some of you so desperately need to get through these doors. You need to get into this sanctuary, into this holy place. Because there, there's where, there's where your needs are going to be met. And that's what we're going to preach about today. We're going to talk about our needs being met. And you so desperately need to get there. But if you're still camped out and, and you know, some of the people, some people, they do this because what they do is they, you know, they, they show up at church every week or every two or three weeks or whatever. And, you know, every day that you're alive, you get junk piled on top of you. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we just talked about de-junking our trunks, you know, last month. Every day that we live, people put junk inside of us. The devil puts junk inside of us. People whisper things to us. Internet. Uh, I mean, just standing around drinking a cup of coffee. I mean, people are pouring stuff into us all day, all week long. Tweets, Facebook posts, everything. I mean, it's being poured into us every moment of our day. Stuff is being poured. And if you're not dealing with that stuff, if you're not thinking about it every day, as it's coming to, and handling it, you know, and praying over it and standing against it and coming against it and challenging it and trying to clear it out. And then you show up at church on Sunday for an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, you, you know, you can't even think about getting beyond these doors because the first thing you're thinking about is all this junk that you've had power. You'll never get into the sanctuary because you've let all this junk accumulate in your life all week long. And the only thing you can do on Sunday is try to de-junk yourself again. I mean, January, we spent the whole month de-junking so we could, we could just, you know, try to stay de-junked enough to get inside the doors. This is where we've been heading since, since the, the second Sunday of this year. This is where we've been heading is we've got to get through these doors and now we're here. But if you missed those first two messages about uh, the approach to God and about the, 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 the altar and the labor, then make sure you go listen to the podcast. You need these because you really can't go in the door with us today unless you went to those two places. Now, here's what we're going to pray, though. Here's what we're going to pray. Is God, forgive us for not thinking about you all week long. Forgive us for not dealing with all these other things that have been happening to us and, and acting like we can just show up and expect you to do those secret stuff that we need you to do, the magic stuff that we need to meet all of our needs. Forgive us for that. And maybe, God, just, just this one time, let us all go together. Somebody else had to do my praying this week because I didn't do it. <clears throat> Amen? Oh, me? Some, somebody else had to be thinking about God for me because I wasn't this week. But God, forgive me. And, let, and I'm, I'm going to pray this for you. God, forgive us and let us all go into the... And you know what he does? He, let, he lets that happen. He lets people that have not thought about him all week come into the temple, into the sanctuary, but not forever. He eventually expects you to grow up and start doing it on your own. So if you miss those two messages, go listen to them. 
But this morning, let's pray. God, let us all go together. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's go in. Come on, let's go in. Come on, let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you, God, that, that, that Lord, you, you gave us specific direction on how to approach you. But God, I thank you so much because, God, that was your desire is that we approach you, Lord. It, it wasn't that you were trying to make it hard so we couldn't come. It, you were giving us the keys of how to get close to you, God. Lord, I thank you that you took so much care in, in explaining that to us, God, and that you provided forgiveness and you provided cleansing, Lord, and, and that we're able, God, that when we, God, that when, when we allow things to get back into our life, God, you have enabled us, God, to, to cleanse and get all that stuff back. God, to keep things straight between you and us, Lord. And, and God, to just pray that you, you, you help us today, Lord. Now, go beyond this step because, God, I've got some brothers and sisters sitting here today, some with financial needs, God, some with uh, marriage needs, Lord, some with uh, needs in their family, some that are sick in body or they've got a, a family member that is sick, Lord, that really needs a healing, God. There's, there's so many needs right here, direction, God, and I just pray, Lord, forgive us, God, for those of us who've not given thought all this week, Lord, to, to who you are and what you want to do and, and keeping ourselves clean before you, God. Uh, forgive us this one time, one more time, God, and let us all as a church let us all go in together into this sanctuary, into this holy place, God. Forgive us this one time, and God, God, we'll become adults. We'll become men and women, Lord, to, to step up and do it and, and to, to, to do the things that we're supposed to do, God. Just give us this one more opportunity today, God, to step into your presence, into your sanctuary, into your holy place, God, and to receive what God the, the goodness that you already have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So let's go in. Okay. Now, when you go in, I mean, it's a beautiful place, and uh, and the computer animation here is almost almost even hard to see because everything inside this room was covered in gold. I mean, it's, you know, it just and it just you know reflected off of each other, just back and forth. It's almost like a you know just a room of mirrors because everything was covered in gold, and how beautiful it was, and how awesome it was, and inside the room. There are three articles of furniture, and those are the three things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I want to share all of these with you, and we'll start with the first one, which is the table of showbread in Exodus. It tells us that God gives direction to Moses on, on how to build this table of showbread. And it says, you shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around you shall make for it a frame of handbreadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. So it's gold, and this part's gold, and this part's gold, and this part's gold. And you shall make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings on the four corners that are at its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. These rings were, you know, four, two on each side so that you could slip a pole through because they were not to touch it with their hand. They were supposed to handle it carefully with these poles, and that's how they would move it and, and, and move it around. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold that the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Now, if your version might have S-H-E-W instead of S-H-O-W, but the same thing. This table of showbread and set it before him. God says, make it and set it before me. And, and the showbread basically meant it was bread for show. It was there to be before the face of God. It was a bread to show. To show there was, it was symbolism. That's what it was about. It was show bread. Okay? And, and so the table, and we got 
We'll take some, a little bit more time right here with some computer animation and show it to you just a little bit. In the tabernacle that Moses and, and the children of Israel had in the Old Testament, wandering through the wilderness, they, uh, they just have one table of showbread. But we're told in Chronicles that uh, when Solomon built his temple, which is the one we have the computer animation of, there were actually ten tables of showbread, five on each side. And you saw them just a few moments ago, and behind each one was a candlestick that we'll get to in just a second. But on this table, you know, in the tabernacle there was one, and Solomon's temple, there were 10, okay? But either way, uh, on each table, there would be 12 cakes, unleavened cakes of bread, something like pita bread, you know, just almost like a, a flat tortilla or something. There would be six uh, on each side in two different stacks. And these six times two, 12, one each representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And so that's what they were there for. Now, here, here's a couple of interesting facts right here, and, and these are important because this kind of builds to where we're getting to and what this is all about. It's when these things were when these things were cooked. Actually, let me tell you this part. When they were brought here to the temple and put there, then they put uh, frankincense on top of them, and, and, they, and they lit the, the sacrifices and they burned the oils and all those things, and they put the frankincense on there. Now, when these things were, when these things were baked, they were put on and kind of like a, a grill, and when they were done and they were picked up, you know, they were picked up with a fork. They were pierced with a fork and picked up and moved over to a plate and now moved to here. And so they were pierced. Just like, who does this symbolize? Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And when he hung on the cross of Calvary, what happened? His body was pierced for me and you. The bread was pierced. And, and, and then they put the, uh, they put the frankincense on it and they, they piled it on there. They did this two times a day. And as the, the frankincense was put there, it's symbolic of like the anointing. And get the picture again. Here Jesus is, hanging on the cross, and his body is being pierced. And the anointing is falling down upon him. But that's not the end of it as well. Because when they, they, take, the, they take this cake, this tortilla-looking thing off of, the, off of the grill, on the back of it, you know what's on the back, don't you? You know what Mark's been made on the back of it now? You got that X. You got that cross that is there because of the grill. You got this, these cross things that, and so now look at the picture that you've got of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary, just like this bread was. His side was pierced and on his back, he had the mark of the cross. It was right there and the anointing was falling down upon him out of heaven. Why, and why was the anointing? You know what? It wasn't just so that you and I could come together on Sunday and say, man, wasn't that a good service? You know, pastor did a little better job this week than he normally does or wasn't the music good? that's not the reason jesus did all of this that's not the reason he, his body was anointed that's not the reason that that his his body was pierced for you but the reason he was anointed was so that your sins could be forgiven so you could be reunited in fellowship with god and so that he could meet all of your needs your sins are forgiven and you could be delivered from this life of sin but not just that as well because you remember what else he he got on his back he got 39 stripes on his back didn't he but and do you remember what they were for the word of god says those 39 stripes were for our healing that by his stripes you are healed all of these things happen on his body this this is what he has provided Here's, here's, okay, we're building somewhere, okay? Here's something interesting also about this table. They, they, they replenished the bread every Sabbath day. So every week, they took off the bread and they put new bread on there. And the priests were the ones who, they could eat the bread, okay? So they would go eat the bread. But, but it's interesting, it says they will eat the bread in, standing in the holy place. Stand, you know why they're standing? Because there's no chairs in the holy place. There's no chairs in the sanctuary. Uh, these few articles of furniture that we're going to talk about, you know, there, there's no chairs 
in the holy place. You know why? Because they could never sit down. They were constantly moving and doing things. Now, there are, there, there's a couple of different priests here we kind of kind of keep our uh, our attention focused on is because this temple is no longer around as a building, right? I mean, where is the temple today? Where's the temple? Where's the temple? Right here, right here. Yeah, somebody, okay, come on. Let's get, let's get this, okay? I've been telling you this all week, you know, all these weeks, but get it again. This is now the temple. And, and you are the priest of your own temple. You know what that means? I can't bring any bread. To, I can't bring this bread to your house. I can't anoint it with oil. I can't burn the sacrifices for you. I can't bring your, your sin sacrifice to God. I can't do any of these things for you. You are the, your mom can't do it. I don't care how holy, how righteous, how wonderful she was, how much she loved God. She cannot be the priest of your temple. You have, the pastor can't do it. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to be that. And here's the, here's the symbolism here. There are no chairs in the holy place because our efforts are never over. We have to constantly be worshiping Him. We have to constantly be talking to Him. We have to constantly be, be giving ourselves to Him. We, we have to constantly have something. There's something supposed to be happening between me and God every moment of the day. And you know, it, it amazes me, people that take vacation from God. I mean, you know, people take breaks from God and say, I just need a break. You know, I, I, you know, just, I'm just going to take a break. I'm not going to read my Bible this week. Just, there's just too much of it. I'm just going to take a break this week. All right, I need a break. I'm just going to take the day off and take the day off. And I'm not talking about just missing church. I'm talking about people that, that just say they're just going to take a break from God and not do anything. And say, well, everybody needs a break. Not, not in these kinds of things. You know what? I'm a dad 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. I am a granddad. Every single moment I am alive until the day that I breathe my last breath, I will always be a granddad. I am a husband. Every I don't take a break from any of those relationships at any moment. If I take a break from my, you know what happens? If I take a break from my relationship with my wife, if I take a break from being a husband, you know what happens, don't you? Oh man, there's all kinds of evil that squeezes in between me and her. If I take a break from being the, being the dad or being the granddad, I am opening the door for, for any manner of evil to come in. I've got to be the priest who is standing there over my temple making sure. And so there's never a time or a moment to sit down. I don't take a seat when I'm the husband. I don't take a seat when I'm the dad. I don't take a seat when I'm the granddad. And I don't take a seat. I don't take a break from my relationship with God. You can't do it. Okay, but there's a high priest. See, I'm the priest of the temple. But there's a high priest also. And his name is Jesus Christ. And here is the picture I want you to get of this tape. Because, you know, and I, I'm, I, I don't want to say, I'm going to say a little bit of something to this in, in all three of these pieces of furniture. But I don't want to say too much because I really want to save as much of this as I can for next week because this is, you know, this, this place right here is where we really want to get, but the next place is where we really, really, really want to get. And I want to tell you about that next week. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I got to tell you just this little bit. Is that while this was a temple made with hands and all this stuff was made with man's hand, there is actually another temple in a different realm than you and I live in. And when Jesus Christ sacrifice. Here's, here's what he did. Let's go back to scripture. Here's what he did. Hebrews chapter, now we're in chapter 10. It says, and every priest stands, stands, no seats, ministering daily, 
offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Over and over and over. Every day. Most of these things were happening twice a day in the morning and, and, at, and at twilight. But this man, talking about Jesus, capital M, after he had offered one sacrifice for our sins forever, after he had hung on the cross and all, what did it say? He, he sat down. At the right hand of God. You know what? What They kept on working and kept on working. And what they could never get done, Jesus Christ did it one time. When he hung on the cross of Calvary and, 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 and won the payment, uh, paid the penalty for our sin. When, when he did that, then he walked into the holy place one time. And he laid the bread out on the table. The bread that was for your sin, he laid it out on the table. The bread that was for, for your financial need, he laid it out on the table. The bread that was for your healing, he laid it out on the table. The bread that was for your family need, whatever he laid it, whatever the need is that you have in your life, he laid it on the table. And then you know what he did? He sat down, you know, because when he did it, it was all done. It was complete. There was nothing else to do. He didn't have to show up again. What, you know what that means? That means today, if you have a need and you come to the table, it's already there. You don't have to talk God into doing something else. He's already done it all. What more could Jesus do than he's already done? He's already done it all. And so your financial need, it's already there on the table. Your family need, it's already there on your table. Your healing need, it's already there. Whatever you have need of, it's already there. And Jesus has sat down. Somebody say praise God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's already there. And some of you desperately today, you desperately need to get into the sanctuary. And I'm not talking about this one. I'm talking about this one where you and he meet. You desperately need to get to the table because you have needs like this. You desperately need God because this table of showbread, it is all about our provision. What God has provided. And it's already there. It is right before you. The close of this service, I want you to just open your eyes, your spiritual eyes, and I want you to look and I want you to see that it's there. It's already there. And where? In the temple. Right here. Everything you need, He has already provided. He's already brought it into the temple. He's just, just waiting on you to show up. The second article of furniture is the candlestick. Or the menorah. You know the menorahs that we see around Christmas? And, and so let's read about it. We're not going to read a lot of its construction because it gets a little repetitive. It was very ornate and very specific little things. And so it gets a little repetitive. So we're going to just read a few verses here. It says, You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, and the flowers shall be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its side. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side. Three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. So you got the menorah. You know, the three and the three and the one in the middle. You got seven. You shall make seven lamps for it. Now, you and I, we think more in the terms of candlesticks, right? And you put a candle on top of it, you know, like, like in, a, uh, in a wedding, you know, and you've got big candelabras up here, you know, and you put all those candles in. But instead of candles, they were actually using lamps that held oil, uh, olive oil, this, uh, and this would be another place that if we had an hour, you know, we could just stop right here. Boy, we could do some really good teaching about the olive oil and about how it was beaten, how it was crushed. We're not going to take time to do that, but I'm already in my mind. I'm just saying, again, symbolic of Jesus Christ and all these things. And so they, were, they had lamps that they actually put on top of these. Instead of candles, it was lamps. And it said, they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. How many of you ever used a flashlight before? You ever use a flashlight? Which direction do you shine the flashlight in? 
Do you shine it like this? You know, or just any which direction? No, you shine it in front. You know, now listen, inside the temple, there was no reason for it to only shine in the front. I mean, with all that gold around, I mean, it's going to bounce everywhere anyway. There was no reason. But there was a symbolic reason. Because the, the lamp was a symbol of light. It wasn't just the fact that we need some light in the house. There was symbolism that let it give its light forward. That this lampstand was symbolic. You know, let's look at it right here and you'll see. And there you'll see the five lampstands on one side, five on the other, right each behind a table. And it was shining its light forward because it was symbolic of direction. It was symbolic of truth. And you know what? What we're seeing here is that we don't need to see behind us. We know what was behind us, right? How many of you know what happened yesterday? Right? What we don't know is what's going to happen tomorrow or in the next five minutes. That's what we do. That's where we need the direct. We don't need direct. And the yesterday, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of mess ups back there. But because of the blood of Jesus, that's all forgiven. And so we can leave yesterday and we can go on. And so we only need the light to show forth tomorrow. We need it to show what our next steps are. We need it to guide us in, in our next walk. And, and you know, not just show us the good and, and the right path. We also need it to show us the bad. And the wrong path. Show us where the devil has put little uh, traps and, and holes for us to fall in. Snares for that we could step in. I, rem- I remember, man, I used to have people tell me this. They'd say, man, you just, you just preach just a little too hard about some things. And you're going to get the devil stirred up. You don't want the devil stirred up. You, you, ooh, man, you want him just to be quiet. Now, here's what I've learned about the devil. When he's quiet, I don't know where he's, where he is. He's doing stuff. I don't know what he's doing. That's the danger. I want him stirred up. I want, I want him shooting his mouth off. I want to know exactly where he is. I want him mad enough so that I can see where he is. So God, yes, shine your light of truth even on the devil in my, because if the devil starts getting in my marriage, I want to know it. If he's working on my kids, I want to know it. If he's working in my finances, I want to, if he's working in my health, I want to know it. I want the light of God's truth to shine on everything in my life. And the only things that I've got to hide from God, I want them under the blood. I don't want them hidden from God. Bring them out, God, and show me, Lord, so that I can put them under the blood and make sure everything is right with you. That's what I, that's where I want my life to be. And so I want the truth. I, I, I want it working in that way. Okay, but now let's go back to this place. You remember this place where Jesus went in? Not, not in that building uh, uh, that, that the Old Testament priests went in, but in the heavenlies, this same place. Let's go back to that place and let's see the, let's see the lampstands. Let's see these candlesticks. And in the book of Revelations, we see, uh, John says, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Okay, and so now he sees, he sees several things happen during these next few moments and all this stuff's going on. And he's in this... This heavenly temple, okay? And he sees these seven golden lampstands. And now an explanation comes to him from the angel. And it says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So you know what we're seeing? We're seeing a picture of the heavenly temple. And here's what he is saying. In in this temple, these lampstands are symbolic of local churches. You know, you know what he's telling us here is I'm giving you direction all the time. I Man, I got church. He got churches on every corner. I mean, how many churches do you pass on your way to church? 
Come on, think about it. You know, and, and the local churches are there and local ministers are there to give you direct. No man is an island in Christianity. You don't go your own way. You don't do it your way. There, you need direction. You need instruction. And, and, and I know, you know, some people say, well, I don't like that church because they tell me when I'm wrong. Well, you don't need people to tell you when you're right. Come on, somebody. You don't need somebody to tell you if you're walking in the right path. But when you're walking the wrong path, you need somebody to say, wait a minute, look at this. Oh, I've got a few people in my life that, that have come in just close enough that I can let them say that kind of thing. And I need that guy. I need somebody to say, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. You're about to step over into an abyss of error here in your preaching or in error here in your past. I need somebody like that in my life. And you don't need a church to tell you that everything you did this week was okay. You need a church to tell you, wait a minute, is everything you did this week okay? And it, Or is it keeping you from receiving all the goodness of what God wants to do in your life? We need that kind of direction. And the lampstand is symbolic of guidance and direction and truth and light. Sin is, is symbolized throughout the Word of God as darkness. It is symbolized as this darkness that keeps us confused and won't allow us to, to be in a place where we understand and see and know. And God brought Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the candlestick is symbolic of that, how he brings the light into our life and he brings it into our life through local churches and ministries and, and the people that God has given to us to be a part of. So don't make yourself separate from that. The third piece of, art, the third piece of furniture in the sanctuary, in the holy place, is the golden altar of incense. Now, it's not, it's a different altar than the one we talked about. The one last week was a big, huge altar outside that they got a lot of blood on because they were killing all those animals and roasting them there. This one is the golden altar of incense. So let's go back to Exodus and, and look at it. It says, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its width. It shall be square. Two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it under the molding on both of its sides. You shall place them on its two sides. And they will be holders for the poles with which you shall bear it. Again, here we're going to handle this thing with care. This is important. You shall make the, low, the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put... Put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Okay, let me just tell you about this real quick. Say, let's make this our model for just a moment so we can see this. As you enter the doors, you come into the holy place of the sanctuary. Then there's a veil. And beyond the veil is the most holy place or the holy of holies, as it's called as well. And in there is the, the final article, the final piece of furniture, the ark of the covenant. And this is what we're going to preach about next week. Okay, and this is, like I said today we're where we really want to go next week we're going to be where we really 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 want to go so make sure you catch this one but but he says this this place right here which is the place of God's presence where he really is he said he said this is where I want you to put the altar of incense right before that we'll see it in just a second Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps he shall burn incense on it 
And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So he's going to burn it in the morning and the, and the evening as well so that it's constantly burning. It's just perpetually burning. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burn offering or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. Okay, now here's what he says about it. There's only one offering to be put on this, and it is a very special offering. If you go down to verses 34 through 38, I believe it is, you will see there is a special recipe for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, the incense that is supposed to be put together to burn on this altar. And he said, you shall not burn a strange incense on it. You shall not burn uh, a sin offering on it. You shall not burn any of the, there's one recipe, one, and, and, and the word I thought of was peculiar. You know what peculiar means? It doesn't just mean odd or weird or strange. It means something that is fit for one specific peculiar purpose. And that's what this incense was. It was peculiar for this one altar. He even says in those verses 34 to 38, when he's talking about this recipe, and, and incidentally, the three spices that you mix up, we don't even know what these are. We, can, we, can't, we can't find them in, in the world. Like we don't know if they're extinct or what they were exactly, you know, but, but he says, this is so special and so peculiar. No one is to ever mix these three together. He says, if you, you want to know what it smells like, don't even mix it together in your house just to see what it smells like. This smell is so beautiful and so wonderful. God says it only belongs to me. And so you can't even mix it. You are cursed if you mix it together, even if you just want to see what it smells like. Now, that sounds like God's really being hard-headed, like he's being mean-spirited, he is jealous, he is selfish, and he wants to keep this one little thing to himself. It does until you realize what it symbolizes. So hang on for here for just a minute, I'll tell you what it symbolizes. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year shall make atonement upon it through your, throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Let me say this right here. What, what Aaron is going to do is he's going to take some blood out, outside, you know, that big, huge altar where they killed all those animals and they had all that blood. He's going to take some of that blood from the sin offering and bring it here and sprinkle it on the golden altar. You see, and that's one of the reasons why you can't bypass the altar in the inner court. Because if you bypass it, you don't have the blood there to sprinkle on this altar. And you, you still, I mean, we don't know the, the significance of this altar yet. And so you don't understand why this is so important. But listen to me, you're going to understand in a moment when I tell you what the incense symbolizes, you're going to understand why it is so important that these things be done this way and that, and that God says this incense is just for me and that you pass by and you make sure you're part of the sacrifice and accepting Jesus Christ as your pe- payment for your sin. It's important because... The incense represents something special that's there. Let's look at the computer uh, graphic again, just the animation here and see. And see, here it is moving toward. It's right in front of the veil. On the other side of the veil is the Ark of the Covenant. We're going there next week, so don't miss it. I'm just on the other side. And this is where it's sitting. It's sitting right here in front of it, right? Just as close as you can get, but not yet. As close as you can get to to the... to, the, to this, this final place, this most holy, the holiest of holies, is that's where it's sitting. Let's go again to Revelations, to that heavenly temple, and let's see what this incense represents. Because it's not about this temple made with man's hands, but it's about this temple in the heaven. And here's what it says now, when he, talking about Jesus, when Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp. And they had golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood. Now we're in chapter 8. He came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the Lord. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands. The incense symbolizes your prayers. You see, it seemed like God was just being selfish, didn't it? When he said, this is peculiar only to me. But now when you understand what he is saying is so special and choice and treasure and precious to him, he's saying it's your prayers. When you, pr- when you pray to me, when you, when you speak out to me, God is saying that is so precious. Don't you pray it to anybody else. Don't pray to another man. Don't pray to another God. And don't share that. That's not to be shared anywhere. It is mine. And he said, I want the prayers. Are you understanding this? Is he, he's inviting you to come pray your prayers because your prayers are precious to him. And that's what is symbolized by the preciousness of this incense. It is so precious. It is so rare. It is so fine. It is so rich. It is so costly. It is so important to him. because It is your prayers. And that's what is symbolized here. In the book of Revelation is where it tells us about the, the true heavenly temple. And that's what it symbolizes to him. And you know what he, you know what he does? He stands. He sta- he's standing right here. This priest, this high priest, Jesus Christ. He's standing right here is the, the altar of incense. And, you know, and, and saying this, he has put your prayers right before his presence. That's where they are in this, the, the, your precious prayers when you have a need, when, you have, when you're struggling and you just need, God, i got to have some help. He puts this right. This is the place that is closest to his presence. Are you listening? He's inviting you to come in. He didn't give you a lot of rules to go by because he wanted to keep you out. He wanted to show you how to get as close as you could to him. And it's, it's not of how, you, know, you don't have to talk God into meeting your need. He's already met it. Just sitting right over here on the table. The bread's right there. He's already met your need. He's already died for your sin. He's already taken the stripes on his back for your healing. Every need that you have, every, every, even every temptation that you're going to have to deal with, where God tells us he was tempted, he defeated those two. Every bit of it, it's already there. So here, here he invites us. And normally, at this point of the, Service, I just ask everybody to come forward, but not today. Because today we need to do it a little differently. Because he doesn't invite us to come all together. He invites us to come individually. Your prayer, my prayer. It, it's, and you say, well, I, I, I won't come, I'll come when everybody else. I don't want anybody else to know I've got a need. Wait, let me tell you this. All the categories I've shouted to you about, you know, uh, healings or, or finances or those kinds of things, you know, all those things, all those categories, I know, pro, I know most all of them, if not all of them, maybe one that I don't have a need in. I've got needs. And listen, I'm going to tell you what's happening right now already is I'm standing here and, 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 and then my mouth is having to speak a, 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 a message to you. I'm having to preach a message to you, but my heart is crying out to God. God, while I'm preaching a message to them, God, you know what my need is. And I'm here. I'm, I'm already standing here because I've got needs. And the Word of God doesn't say, no, just if you've got a need, just kind of slip in with everybody else. Just kind of say a little, 
quiet prayer. Don't let anybody know. That's not what the Word of God says. He puts your prayers right here in front of the presence of God. And in Hebrews also, he says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. And why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Do you remember what Hebrews is talking about? you remember what it's talking about in chapters 4, 5, and 6? It's talking about our covenant that we have and about our priest that we have. And because we have a high priest who is, who is touched with all the same things that we've been touched with, all the problems that we have, he had also. Because of this, and because now he's gone into this holy temple in heaven, and he's done all these things, and he's done them once and for all, perfect and complete, and he sat down in the, in the presence of God at the right hand of the Father because of this, now we can stand up, throw our shoulders back, and not apologize for coming boldly before the throne of grace and making our petition known. Stand with me, if you will. Please, everyone. And, and, and I said, you know, I normally just invite everybody to come all at once, but not today. If you've got, can you quickly tell me what you told me two Sundays ago after church? You remember? Microphone. Is this where it can be taped? You know. If you've got a financial need, you're coming first. Wait a minute. That was probably about uh, two weeks ago, uh, and probably about four weeks ago. Now, someone blessed us with. $37 because we had lost our job and the Lord just told them to give us $37 and <laughs> we didn't have any money and the Lord just put it on my heart to bless somebody and so we gave that money and before the, I even got the money given to them uh, someone come up to me and handed me $100 and I know there's one more thing that sure. he doesn't know about but Good. one of the things that, that the Lord's put on our heart is that in a time of need, to get joy, you learn to rejoice. Mm. And me and Haley, we were just struggling. And, and I looked at her, and I know this may sound crazy to some of you, but I told her, I said, we're going to jump, we're going to dance, we're going to laugh, we're going to thank God for everything he's given us. And, and at the end of it, we were just tired, and we went to bed. And the next day, uh, she got a job interview and got hired for a new position and got a job. And I've got an interview now. And so really, I just encourage you that and when you're going through times that you don't know what's going to happen, learn to just rejoice yes. and to listen to the voice of God because He has a perfect plan for your life. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Wait a minute, Brit Britain. It's, it's not because he's got all of his needs met. They're all met yet. No. It's a process. But he's on the right path. And some of the prayer team is going to come right now. Come on, some of the prayer team, come just face this way. I'm going to tell you what, if I had a financial need, I'd be down here in a second with my hand in his hand or his wife's hand say, join with me right now, believing for my financial need. Come on. You got a financial need? Come on. You need a new job? Need a better job? Lose your job? Come on. Prayer team members are ready to pray for you. Your family's struggling with finances or any kind of a need whatsoever. Just come. They just want to join hands. Word of God says we're to agree concerning anything. Go ahead, step up if you will. Just pray. Now, secondly, some of you got sickness in your families, in your homes, or in your body. Come on. Come on. Sister Baker? Sure. 
people right here. Please. Come on, come on down. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you have family problems. And I don't mean that you're about to get a divorce, but you got family problems. There, there's a disunity. There's something that's just not right. Come on down. There's something. Uh, a lot of people came to this third one in the early service. There's just some things that aren't right. Mom and dad, maybe. Maybe it's you and parents. Maybe it's you and your kids. Come on. Come on down front. There's something that's just not right at home. Any God. Come on. Everybody needs to move before I invite everybody to come down. Boldness. Bold, come boldly. I'm ready. Come on, the rest of you. I know you've got a need. Come on, everybody that will, come on front. I might not have mentioned yours, but come boldly now. Bring in your need and just speak it. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't you dare start singing until you finish praying. Come on, don't start singing until you finish praying. Come on, just, just open, your, open your spiritual eyes and see the bread that is laid there on the table that He's already provided. The financial need, the miracle that He wants to give to you. It's already there. It's already there. Just open your eyes and see it. Ask Him for it. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Jesus.